Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you. We're glad that you're here with us today. And we hope that by the end of this time, you've made a little bit of insight, a little needlepoint shift in your life. Um, You know, with age sometimes comes wisdom. Sometimes with age comes enlightenment of how unwise we've been. You know, it kind of goes either way, right? Um, And I know that there are some brilliant people in every step and every age. And I just celebrate you and your brilliance and your wisdom. Today I want to talk a little bit about Steve Kidd. Who is Steve Kidd? Who is this guy that's the host of Thriving Entrepreneur? How did it come about? How did you get here? Um, And so I just want to share with you a little bit of insight in that. For those of you that are listening live, um, you know, last week was Lisa Nichols' annual in La Jolla, San Diego, basically, um, speaking right to make millions. And my wife, Kathy, was there. I think that was her sixth or seventh speaking right now, uh, something like that. And I was actually on the live stream. I was here at home doing the work. And um, good stuff, Good, always good breakthroughs. And I just really realized I had never really shared with you who I am. And I've had some breakthroughs myself. Um, and I really want to get to the heart of that today. So today I'm just going to be open, vulnerable, and available to you to share with you who is Steve Kidd. I hope that's okay. And, you know, let's go together. Let's take this uh, this journey into the heights and depths of the life of host of Thriving Entrepreneur, Steve Kidd. Welcome, my special guest, Steve Kidd. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I want to start off by letting you know just how overwhelmingly amazed I am at the life that I have now. I uh, Have you ever heard the story of the three little trees? You know, and I don't want to go on the whole thing because I'll probably ball like a baby again like I did last time I said it, but, you know, basically the three little trees have dreams, you know, and the one wants to be a great ship and hold cargo, and, and the one wants to be... Uh, you know, the bed for the greatest king in all the land. And the other one just wants to stand on the hilltop and point to God. And and each of them finds throughout the course of their life that their life didn't turn out the way they had planned. But there was always something better. And yes, I, I break up even just over the thought of that story. It's so amazing. Um... You know, and the one tree becomes the ship that held the fish, uh, you know, when Peter drops his net on the other side of the boat. And um, the other one becomes the manger that Jesus is laid in, and the other one has to endure 
being shaped into a cross, but then realizes that he has forever become the symbol that points us to God. I should have just told you the whole story. I cried anyway. So uh, there's some insight into Steve, too. He's uh, very deeply emotional. In a good way, I hope. Um, but I'm just so blessed with the life that I have. Um, at 16, 17, 18 years old, I would have told you my life would have been much different than what it is. And yet, in all of my dreaming and scheming, I would have never come up with a life as good as the one that God had planned for me. I, and that's, you know, bumps, scars, scratches, bruises, all of that involved. I have an amazing life now. I'm married to an incredible woman. Those of you uh, who know her know Kathy Kidd, um, you know, and I'm proud to be able to be her husband and to be her business partner and to work with her. Um, and we have an amazing business. We have the ability to help people become best-selling authors, but that's the, what we do on the surface. Beneath that is that we have the ability to help these amazing people take the message that they have that's going to change the world and be able to share that in a way that the world sees it, that it gives them the credibility that they've always had, that they need to both be acknowledged by the world, but sometimes more importantly by themselves. And that's really what it means to be a best-selling author. Yeah, I could give you examples like Carl, who couldn't get people to return his calls to work to, to talk to them for free. And now he's booked out a year in advance and charges $2,000 for speaking. You know, so many people. I think of uh, Naomi. She was just telling us recently that she tried nine times to get on a specific podcast that she really wanted to be on. Um, and they kept turning her down. And then she became an international best-selling author. And because of that, she was able to uh, not only be on that show, but they actually called and invited her to be on their show. Isn't that exciting? Um, you know, we get to do all kinds of things like that today, and, and I'm so blessed with the life that I get to lead. Um, you know, it hasn't always been this way. Those of you that have seen me in person... Um, or you look at the pictures of me on the website. It's pretty apparent really quickly that um, I have weight issues. Um, that that I'm very overweight. Um, and those of you that know enough about that know that there's something deeper there. You know, it isn't just uh, I eat too much food. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front and be one of those people that's like, you know, I don't eat anything. And I, I like food. Okay, let's just be real. Okay. Um, but it's a, it's a sign of something and I know it and, um, and I'm working on it and, and it's good. Um, but I think it's obviously apparent that it hasn't always been that way. And so to give you some insight into how dark it can get, 
um, I have to explain to you something that I had forgotten myself until literally last week. I was ready to be an adult. At 18, 19, 20 years old, especially 18, I was prepared to be a game-changing, world-changing leader of the world. And I don't say that, don't get me wrong, at 18 I was very arrogant, uh, you know, full of myself, whatever. Um, But a lot of that was because I was really prepared. And so, sure, there's some of that, uh, you know, 18-year-old testosterone-driven, know-you-can-take-on-the-world part of my life. But there was also um, something deeper that was in that. Um, And I was ready. I had been in personal development lot work basically all my life. My first mentor, Dr. Donald Joy... Uh, you know, who was the professor of moral development at Asbury Seminary. Um, He was my godfather. He had been in my life since I was in third grade and had poured into me things that, uh, you know, a lot of people now that I'm 50 still haven't had poured into their life. And he did it on a one-on-one basis many times. Deep, personal things. And I was ready I was ready to take on the world. I, I, I was as prepared as a person could be. I had been doing public speaking, been singing. I was the lead singer of a, of a Christian rock band. I, I knew what was what. I was ready. Um, you know, and yeah, I was 18, and yes, there's always that element of people looking down on you on you because of your youth. But um, that's the person that I came into adulthood being, as somebody prepped and ready. And I can tell you that because you need to understand that uh, I let that slide. I let that go. I allowed myself to fall into some really bad traps. And I'm going to talk about some of those in the upcoming segments, but right now I just want to kind of share with you the highlights. Um, And I went into a deep valley. I went into what I refer to in my book as being a zombie. A person who is dead, but just doesn't have the politeness to lay down in the ground. So they're still up walking around, pretending they're living, when in fact, they're dead. And most everybody that comes in contact to them, what they see is a rotting corpse. And I want to apologize to any of you that have ever had to live through and experience the rotting corpse version of myself. And it didn't happen overnight. I didn't like, I was ready at 18, and then at 18 and two months, boom, it all fell out. It was a series of decisions um, while living an amazing life that took me down a road to a place that I allowed myself to be taken out of life. 
How many of you can relate to that? If you really stop and you evaluate what you had in you, who you are at your core, you know you're more prepared. You're more ready to be more, to do more. And you've been hiding. If that's you, you know, maybe even raise your hand while you're listening. I'm not going to ask you to hashtag anything this time or any of those kind of things. But if you relate to that, if you understand what it's like to squander what when you really look at what you've been prepared for, you know you haven't lived up to. If you realize, if you know what that's like, or if you haven't taken stock of your life, and you need to really evaluate who you are and what you can do, then I encourage you to take the ride with me for the rest of this show today. And let's both emerge at the end of this episode as thriving entrepreneurs. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Today we are diving deep into who is this Steve Kidd person anyway. And I hope that you'll enjoy the journey, that you'll take the journey with me today as I share with you, um, you know, a little bit of my life and a little bit of the breakthrough that I've come through. Um, You know, I was talking in the last segment about being in a dark place, diminishing yourself. And I realized that I put myself in situations where rather than standing up and showing up in the world, rather than being the person who said, hey, I've got this. I can do this. This is something that I have a talent in. This is information that I can share with you. I shrank. Do you ever get around really amazing people? And you shrink. You reduce yourself because they're so amazing that you must be less than. Have you ever done that? I have to admit, I got to the place where I started doing that. It was a gradual thing. It didn't happen overnight. I didn't go from being dynamic and powerful to 
you know, allowing everybody else to determine who I was. I simply just gave up a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more. And now it's important to understand I used specifically the phrase, I gave it up, because people can only do to us what we allow. And sometimes that's harsh for us to to really take stock of our lives and be like, ooh, ouch, I don't want to look at that one. I'd rather blame it on them because then it's all their fault and they're horrible people, rather than taking responsibility for the fact that I gave them permission to treat me that way. And so around people, I began to diminish myself. Rather than taking what I had learned and shining it powerfully and showing up as all that I could be, I presented to people And I got to be careful how I say this because I'm not talking about not being teachable. I think we can learn things from everybody we come in contact with. Even if those people are, are, you know, just a great example of what not to do. You still learned something from them, didn't you? So I'm not talking about being unteachable, but I'm talking about a sense of knowing that you have worth and value too rather than coming face to face with somebody and rather than allowing them to be, say for example, your pastor or a mentor or a teacher, that you don't have to reduce who you are in order to learn from them. I came up with a great example the other day. Kathy and I, just about every morning, um, it's one of our rituals. We get up in the morning, um, and uh, the first thing we do is we go on what we call coffee drive. And uh, on that coffee drive, we deal with whatever, you know, happy, sad, whatever in the day. You know, and of course, Kathy drinks coffee. Um, I, I drink water not because coffee's bad, but I just, I don't, I never developed the taste for it. And we talk, and... And I came up with an idea because I was trying to help Kathy see how amazing she is. Those of you that know her, you know how incredible she is. Um, and those of you that don't, I encourage you. Kathy Kid, bestsellersguild.com. Join the group. Sit under this woman's brilliance. You'll see. <laughs> you know, yes, I'm prejudiced. She's my wife. She's amazing. But Ask the people in the group. Don't take my word for it. I think you could pretty much ask anybody that knows her and they would tell you that. And the example that I used for her was when a doctor that is destined to become the best neurosurgeon in all the world goes to school, they learn from somebody. The person that's teaching them basic anatomy may or may not be a surgeon at all. But they need to learn the anatomy of a human being from them, even though they're destined for greater things. 
And after they've learned from all of those teachers at whatever school, it could be, you know, Joe's University that nobody's ever heard of, or it could be Harvard. Doesn't matter. When they leave there, they're going to leave into the destiny of being the greatest neurosurgeon on the world. And one of the things that is required of them in order to keep their certification is continuing education. Medical professionals, other industries, you know, those of you that are in it, you know, you have to do continuing ed to keep your license, to keep certified. Um, and you go to the classes and the person who's teaching the class often, and this is no you know, downfall to them, but they're not the greatest neurosurgeon in the world. They, again, may not even know how to perform the base, most basic of surgeries. But the doctor goes to it, and he learns. I, For those of you who know who Joel Osteen is, his father, John Osteen, has a phrase that I use all the time, and that's, we need to learn to be smart as an old cow chew the grass and spit out the sticks and that's what the best neurosurgeon on the planet does they go to the continuing ed they chew the grass they spit out the sticks but they remain the greatest neurosurgeon on the planet you like that analogy now apply it to ourselves and I say ourselves because I'm saying the same thing to myself the greatest neurosurgeon in the world doesn't have to diminish himself, doesn't have to say, you know what, I'm going to stop doing neurosurgery and I'm going to start only giving people band-aids to put on themselves because I don't even trust myself to put a band-aid on somebody so that I'm not overwhelming the person who's teaching this continuing ed class. Now, I use that in the most ludicrous of standpoints as an example because I really want you to get it. And I want you to get it about yourself. The greatest neurosurgeon in the world walks into that classroom and allows people to be in awe of them. And the best in whatever profession you want to talk about are the people who have gotten to the place where it's moved beyond their ego and it's moved to service, to helping and serving other people. And then they leave that room and they're still the greatest neurosurgeon in the world. And the person who taught the class gets to go home to their spouse and say, guess who was in my class today? It was the greatest neurosurgeon in the world. And he sat through my whole class. And at the end of the time, I gave the little test. And he did really good on the test, I have to admit. Or maybe that person even says, you know what? He actually missed a question on the test. Okay. Guess what? The greatest neurosurgeon in the world is a human being and he misses questions on tests too. And that's okay. So we do those kind of things in our own life. And as I was sharing, I, 
would be like that neurosurgeon walking into the room. And I didn't, I didn't do it as drastic. I didn't stop being who I was and all that I had learned and go to being nothing. I just shrank just a little bit. I took the concept of being a good student and had it mean that I had to be less than in order to be, uh, you know, under authority. That's a big phrase that we don't hear a lot, but it's okay to place yourself under authority. You know, the greatest sniper in the world has a commanding officer. And he has a commanding officer. And ultimately, they answer. They all answer to a president of the United States who, depending on who is the president at the time, may have never even touched a rifle. And yet, he's under authority. He doesn't diminish his ability to shoot because of the fact that his commanding officers never touched a gun. He does the best that he can be. And as we do that with grace and humility, that's the way we should show up in the life. But if instead, as the greatest sniper in the world, because our commanding officer doesn't even believe in guns, maybe the president at that particular time is lobbying for gun control where guns are removed from the planet. And as the greatest sniper in the world, we start missing shots. Not because we couldn't hit them, but because we don't want to make them the person that is our authority feel bad. Because we think we're supposed to be less than in order to be respectful. That's some deep stuff, isn't it? I mean, it was deep for me as I was saying it, and I'm betting there's a couple of you out there that are like, wow, that's deep, and yes, I've done that. Have you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever diminished yourself, reduced who you are and what you can show up as in the world because you were trying to be respectful? I've said on the show before, true humility is not diminishing yourself. It's not being self-defacing. But rather, it's having a right perspective of yourself. To acknowledge the things you're good at. Yes, to be fully open to training, to criticism, and to the places that you need to level up in, but to also absolutely understand that you have greatness and to acknowledge it and to show up in the room with your gifts, your talents, your skills on full display. So as I was saying, I made one little step and the next little step and life had its way of being life and taking the permissions that I gave to the people around me until I reached that state of being as I called it a zombie. 
and I managed to get by. And I made an impact. I did some things. I don't want to diminish the accomplishments that I've had as a zombie. Because you see, a lot of us, we do things by accident. We do things because it is the nature of who we are. We don't even see or acknowledge it because we're so busy being the walking dead. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to show up that way in the world. I want to give the world 100% of who I am. I want to show up to show the world the best version of myself. Because I've been trained. I know what it takes to help make a difference. I have giftings and I do have talents. And by showing those to you, to the world, by being present, the world's a better place. And the same thing goes for you. Thriving isn't about diminishing yourself, nor is it about becoming haughty or arrogant. It's simply about taking everything you've learned, everything you've been through, all of your life, and showing up. If you will do that, you'll make the world a better place. And you will live as a thriving entrepreneur. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to continue on talking about who is Steve. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Today we are diving a little bit into who is this host of Thriving Entrepreneur. And I've been sharing, you know, some of those down moments, some of those things that we do and I did to give away our power. But the thing that I want to do now is I want to turn that corner. I want to move away from all of the things that all of us do, those little tiny choices that we give away our power. And I want to start moving into our strength. 
And I'm going to do that by giving you an example of the person that I am, of who I am, and of sharing with you my strength, not as a brag, but in true humility, with the right perspective of myself, to show up for you. Because I know that if I show up as the best version of myself, then you too can show up as the best version of yourself. And we can make this planet a better place. And that's something I want to see us do. So, I had talked about in third grade, my first mentor, and he's been with me through my whole life. I could, right now, send an email to Dr. Joy, and I am so blessed that he would still answer it. I can't even begin to tell you how amazing that is. And as a young child, I didn't know who he was. I mean, I knew he was the professor at the seminary that my dad was going to, but, you know, I didn't know because it was in Wilmore, Kentucky. And those of you who know where where Wilmore, Kentucky is, an hour outside of Lexington, it was the middle of nowhere. But he was a big deal. And as I became a teenager, I began to realize just how big of a deal Dr. Joy was. Because everywhere I went, he was an in-demand speaker. By the time I was 16, those of you who, and I know there's some of you out there that listen, that are uh, certified by John Maxwell. Um, When I was 16 years old, I was sitting in meetings, uh, you know, in conferences, where John Maxwell was teaching then the same stuff he teaches now. And I was getting that training way back then. So even as a young adult, I was set up. I was ready. I had done the work. Um, You know, and so I, I encourage you to not discount the things you've gone through. For other people, you know, for some people it's they went to school and they got a degree. They have doctor in front of their name. They have a specific credentialing in what they do. Don't discount that. Maybe, uh, you know, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, one of our uh, best-selling authors, she's actually got two best-selling books that she's written. She was a judge, um, you know, had gone through law school, all of that stuff, and had risen to judgeship um, and wasn't fulfilled and moved on to what she did. The point is, is that it doesn't take away from her what she knows or who she is. And that's something that we all need to understand. We need to take stock of who we are. Maybe you were a merit scholar in school. Maybe you were in National Honor Society. Maybe you were a track star or a football star. Whatever that was, it's not about being the same as someone else. It's about being the best version of who you are. And so I shared with you some of those early things in my life so that you could begin to see some examples of the training that I had gone through, the work that I had put on myself, it was important to me. Even at a very early age, I had goals, wants, wishes, dreams, and I was putting in the work to do it. Um, And throughout the course of my life since then, I've been so blessed. There are so many amazing people. If you've never read the full version of my book, we're in the process of putting it out in a 10-book series because it's much easier to both expound on the information as well as share the stuff in there. 
But feel free to uh, look up 10 things you must have to uh, succeed in life and business. Um, it's by Steve Kidd. And feel free to look that up um, if you want to. One of the things that I talk about in there is the privilege that I've had to have both mentors as well as advisors. You see, a mentor, a coach is somebody that you typically are going to pay to teach you something. An advisor is somebody who has moved into a place in their life. Sometimes mentors and coaches move into your advisory, um, and sometimes they don't, um, you know, because sometimes you get to a place where what they had to teach you, you, um, you've moved beyond that. You know, we talked about the doctor and the stuff that he learned. You know, a doctor took a biology class in high school. That is in no way diminishing to the high school teacher. It just simply means that the doctor had a path that took him to another level. Uh, professional athletes in any sport had a junior high school, uh, maybe even elementary school, peewee league baseball coach, football coach, basketball coach, or a parent that taught them everything they know and poured into them. And so... It's important to take stock of that in our lives, to begin to see ourselves for who we are, if that makes sense. And so my life went on, you know, uh, good things and bad things. And, and again, I went into some of the depths. I have tried, especially in the last segment, to be really upfront about the fact that I took a dive. I don't know how else to say it. Um, I, I could have done more, but I didn't. And I have to take responsibility for that, the choice of that, as much as the circumstances that came from that. There were many outside influences that dramatically had an impact on the trajectory that I was on. But the thing I want us to understand is, A, those things do have an impact, and they do make a difference in our life. I don't want to discount the things you've gone through or the things that I've gone through. But I do want us to understand that we do have the power of choice to look back at those choices and to move beyond that choice as an excuse and begin to say, you know, I made that choice. Um, if I knew then what I know now, I would have chosen differently. But then again, there are a whole bunch of things that I have now that I would not have had I not made those choices. And so you begin going down that road and what you're going to find at the end of that road is it's really just best to be grateful for today. To see what it is. See who you are. To see where you are. And to celebrate yourself now. And so first of all, as we were talking about, you take stock of the initial setup that you had for you. Not everybody was at that place. I understand that. I didn't, at 18, understand how much work I had put into myself. In fact, honestly, I was listening to John Maxwell just the other day, and I realized that in some respects, as far as being prepared to be a leader, to be inspirational, to transform people's lives. That 
in some respects, I was more prepared for that at 18 than I am now because of some of the choices, the paths that I went down, all of those kind of things. It's time to move beyond that. I encourage you as I'm encouraging myself. Whatever was past, whether that be yesterday, 10 years ago, 20, 30, you know, if you're my age, it was 40, you know, 50 and a half years ago. You know, I'm 51 now, so uh, as I'm talking this, if you're listening live, um, it's time to move forward. So often we spend so much time focused on the rearview mirror that we go nowhere because we don't see the road ahead of us. And so, yes, absolutely, do take stock in those things. Give yourself credit for how amazing you are. I ask your permission right now as you're listening for it to be okay for me to tell you, I did some stuff. <laughs> I've, I've prepared to be here in this place so that I can pour into you and hopefully bless you. And that's good. I've been doing coaching, as you hear in the intro, for 30 years now. I've been ministering in churches. The first time I sang in church, I was five years old. Um, I sang a trio with my brothers. Um, I said, with the Christ of Jesus instead of with the cross of Jesus. In the song, Onward Christian Soldiers, one of my brothers laughed. The other one was horribly embarrassed um, and to this day says that uh, that has had an impact on everything he's done in his life. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that bad, but you know, there was a time when we were both young adults that he said that once. Um, and it's funny. It is funny. I hope you laughed at it too. Um, and so what we find is, is that here's a guy talking to you now. It's been coaching business people for 30 years. That's had some amazing opportunities to deal with people. I mean, it doesn't stop from when I was 16, when I was 18. You know, I think of Lily, who I worked with, who is perhaps one of the most amazing businesswomen I have ever been blessed to work with. And she taught me so many things about taking personal responsibility, about diffusing traumatic confrontational situations in an elegant way that allows a person to, to leave with their dignity intact and to even start into the conversation with their dignity intact. Um, you know, I, I've been able to call his friends, people like Tom Moline, who you can listen to his episode. Tom's amazing. Tom's one of those guys that does things with computers that uh, you know, most of the time when he's explaining it, even after all the years that I've spent working in technology, I'm just like, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, that makes sense. And if he advises me to do something, you know, I'm probably just going to do it. Mike Fulmer, who I had the opportunity to work with, was one of the consultants with Sprint when Sprint was trying to figure out how to bring the Internet to the Pacific Northwest. The company that he was the uh, chief uh, engineer for at that time uh, you know, was literally the company that Sprint called in to set that stuff up for them. And he then had an ISP for a whole lot of years and and uh, and has moved on to another field now. You don't see a whole lot of dial-up internet companies anymore these days. Um, and it was great to know Mike. 
and um, you know, in late days, I've you know, in the most more recent days, you know, Errol Abramson. Oh man, if you haven't read his book, you know, you can too. Uh, look up Errol. Errol is freaking amazing. The dude has launched like 47 successful companies. He's now currently running like $3 billion, not $3 billion, but three individual companies that are billion-plus-dollar companies. When he talks about business, I feel like, uh, to quote a phrase from a movie, like a person being taught a letter from somebody who knows how to be able to speak 25 languages. I mean, I don't even feel like a kindergartner. I feel like, uh, you know, a toddler learning how to take their first step in his presence because he's just been through so much. He knows so much. He's awesome. And I'm so grateful for these people as they poured themselves into me and shared their unique brilliance to help me be able to show up as the person that I am. I'm grateful for the 30 years of people that I've been able to pour into their lives to bless them for the 40 plus years that I've worked in the church as a lay person as well as as an on-staff person and outside of the church ministering all around the world to people in music, in speaking, in in different ways as I've been led. I, I feel privileged and advantaged that I was allowed to be that person and show up in that place. And that's who I am today. I am a third generation minister, the son of a minister, the grandson of a minister, who loves the work I've done in church. I am a 30 year business coach, and I've been able to get to work with people who are working from their kitchen all the way up to people who are multi-millionaires, multi-billionaires. I mean, Errol, as we were working on his book, we had a divine exchange of him sharing great ideas with me and me pouring in the things to him that I knew. It was a great time, and I, and I look forward to more work with Errol. And I encourage you, now's your time. Take stock of who you are. Stop living as less than and begin to see all the reasons why you are a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. 
Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. All right, so let's bring this thing home, as they say. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, and I've wanted to try to share a little piece of who I am, both the good and the bad. Life hasn't been perfect. I've had times when I haven't shown up as I should. And I've had times when I've been at the pinnacle of amazing things happening. But there is no other time that I would rather live in my whole entire life than where I get to be now. I get to take all those things I've learned through both my successes and my failures, and I get to share them with you. You see, it's been almost, what, almost three years ago now that I was in a conversation with Sade Wayadu. We were working on her book, You Are Enough. And at the end of the time, I was typing and taking notes. Sade was sharing her story with me. I was taking her through the process that Kathy and I have developed based off of our 20 years of experience as marketing professionals, based off of the 30 years that I've spent as a business coach, and without me even knowing it, based off of the entire lifetime that I've spent with my gifting in creativity, in ministry, in understanding, in being empathic to what a person is saying. And at the end of that conversation, I looked at the notes and I said to Sade, you have an amazing book. Would you like to hear it? And I was thinking that, you know, I just kind of read back to her what she had said. And that is when my gifting showed up. I mean, it showed up in other ways. I've written songs. I've ministered in large and small audiences. Um, and so it shows up in different ways. And your gifting will do that. But it showed up in a way that every day blows my socks off still. And that was me looking back at those notes, pausing for a minute. And then I was able to take all of the notes we had taken and craft and form them there on the spot into this beautiful message. Was every single word in there? No. We, we intentionally record things because there's no way I can recall all of the details of the story you told about, you know, Uncle John. And that's okay. Because I can, I can, you know, weave in part of it. And then the editors and transcribers can bring in the rest of it. And you can go back and you can even expound on that. But think about that for a second if you haven't been through it. To be able to talk and be in a place where, as almost always happens, at some point you feel like, does this make any sense? What am I, I'm just rambling. I don't know what, what we're even doing here. And then at the end of that time, to see that you have a fully formed story and to hear it back to you. I've laughed. I've cried. Oh, I've had times where I've had to just sit here sobbing, waiting to be able to get past it to finish reading a person's story back. The amazing, miraculous breakthroughs that people have had, as well as the dark, 
deep places that they've gone through. And I dive deep down in with them. Somebody asked me one time, are you going to always remember my story? And I actually told them, I was like, I got to tell you the truth. I have had to learn how to let those go. I remember snips from a lot of books. But I can't hold that in as internalized as it is in that moment when that's pouring out of me. Because I'd be a basket case. I'd have to sit in the corner and just go, blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? What else could you do if you took the stories of people who were, you know, watched their parents shot in the street while they were sitting there with their little brothers and sisters or that were living, evading the rape gangs in Africa or were sexually abused or were assaulted by a husband? As well as how can you take the pinnacles of delight for people who have had amazing breakthroughs and internalize every single one of those and not end up a little schizophrenic. So um, I'm grateful that I have that part of my personality too. You see, it all comes together. And that's what I want to share with you. I, I hope this show didn't sound like a brag. I questioned. In the middle of the recording, I actually went back. I deleted about three or four minutes because it was just like, okay, that's enough credentials of some things that I did when I was 18 or before. Um, but I wanted to be able to share who I was so that you can see who you are and so that you can begin to imagine yourself sitting with me, sharing things. We're just talking. Casual conversation. My assistant's taking notes. She's on mute. You don't even hear the keyboard or anything. We're just talking. And then at the end of that time, to allow this beautiful gifting to step up and for you to be able to hear your story read back to you. I love the privilege of being able to have that gift and bring it to the world. I want for you to be able to see your gifting and feel that same level of privilege in all that you do as well. And I want to see you share your story with the world. I've tried to be as vulnerable today as I possibly could. I didn't share with you everything. I didn't get down in the mud and wallow around, but I wanted to be open to you because I want to hopefully inspire you to take that step. You can start with the easiest, the first step, by just simply going to best sellersguild.com joining our free Facebook group if you're not already a part of bestsellers guild you could also look up bestsellers guild on Facebook either way and if you're not already a member we want to have you join it's free we're not going to ask you anything you can be in that group as forever but there's a lot of really cool people in there that are somewhere down the road of their amazing best-selling author journey as well and out of that group, we're going to offer you the opportunity to take our nine-week bestseller formula class. Well, before that, we're going to actually let you take our free workshop and learn how to write your book in one hour. 
And then we'll invite you to join our paid group coaching program that is the nine-week bestseller formula that takes all that Kathy and I have learned that we've used with millionaire billionaires, Errol, um, all the way down to stay-at-home moms and help them form their story. We take that in a classroom setting and help you learn how to write, publish, and market your book to bestseller. And if you need more one-on-one, we've got that. We have our authority and our legacy packages. And I would love to do a session with you, share with you your message, and let you hear it read back to you. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. Just like I had to go through my darkest of times to come out on the other side and be able to share with you the light, the hope, the possibility. You are that for someone else. What you've been through has brought you now to the place where you can be the person you were always meant to be. I want that for you. I want you to share that unique brilliance with the world because you were created on purpose for a purpose. And you need to know deep down inside that the world needs you. I hope that my vulnerability here today can help inspire you to take the next step on your journey. To know that you have something to share with others that only you can share so that you will become the best part of yourself that you can be. Thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you honoring me with your time and your presence. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Know that Kathy and I are here for you at any time. We want to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.